we used to live in Minnesota. We lived there for five years. And uh, we lived in a town called Forest Lake. It's where two interstates come together at the very top of the Twin Cities. So we lived on the very north side of the Twin Cities. And, yes, it's true. Minnesota is cold, just so you're aware. Uh, it's cold. It snowed every year there by around Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Every year it would snow at Mother's Day. Not even kidding. Um, but while we were living there, I got really, really sick. I got, like, severely ill. Uh, in fact, I couldn't hold anything down for two months straight. Two months. I lost 50 pounds in two months. And it was just miserable. I, I was miserable all the time, just always sick. Every, every night I'd go to bed and I'd pray. I'd beg God, please don't let me get sick tonight. Lord, please just heal me. Lord, don't let me get sick again. And 3 o'clock in the morning would come and I'd be sick again. Every night, every single night, I was miserable. And I was desperate. I desperately prayed to God for healing. I desperately prayed that I would be either healed or the doctors would know what was going on, what was wrong with me. And, and they tried everything. They ran blood tests. They did all kinds of scans. I had a CT scan. They're trying to figure out what's going on with me and why I'm so sick. And it was just, I was, it was so frustrating. And I was so desperate. And finally they decided, well, let's do a scope. And so they did a scope of my esophagus and my stomach. And they found out that I had a, a quote-unquote, a mild case of gastritis. If that's a mild case of gastritis, I don't want to know what a severe case of gastritis is like. Oh, man, it was awful. And so I, I finally, it, it turns out, one month of Prilosec is what healed me. One month, Prilosec, over the counter. What in the world is up with that? That's all it took. And I've been fine. Found the 50 pounds, too. Great. But... Uh, you know, have you ever really been desperate? I mean, like very, very desperate in your life, especially, you know, desperate for healing. I think that there's many times in our lives we get to a point where we're desperate for some kind of healing. And we all need some kind of healing because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that, uh, of just brokenness. And everywhere we look, there's broken people. Everywhere we look in our lives, we, we find that we're broken in one way or another. There's all kinds of brokenness all around us and within us. Maybe you're broken today. Maybe you're broken spiritually. And you feel like there's just nothing you can do right. You, you feel like you're missing the mark, that you're, you're falling short, that God has some plan for you that you're just not measuring up to. Maybe you feel broken spiritually, that you just, you, you're, you're begging God. You're desperate for love, unconditional love. You're desperate for forgiveness. You're desperate for acceptance from Him. And you don't feel like you've got it. And you feel broken spiritually. You feel like your life, your spiritual life is just falling apart. And you don't know what to do about it. You feel so distant from God. Or he feels so distant from you. And you do anything to be near to him. You do anything to be back in his good graces. To feel that acceptance, that warmth, that love, that forgiveness again. You feel broken spiritually. Or maybe you feel broken physically. Maybe your body is betraying you. Maybe you've got an illness or a disease. Maybe you've got aches and pains. How many of you got aches and pains? I have aches and pains. It's not to the extent of the person who I share a house with, but um, 
the aches and pains I feel when I wake up in the morning, my body is telling me that I'm another day older. And I get up and I sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies. Snap, crackle, pop. My body's getting older. And the older I get, the more I feel like it's breaking down. Some of you are like, your body is not getting older, son. But I feel like it's breaking down. I feel like it's betraying me. And maybe you feel the same way. Maybe you feel broken physically. And that you're desperate for, for physical healing in one way or another. That you've got heart disease or you've got high blood pressure or you've got a, a broken back or broken knees. And you just want some kind of physical healing. You're desperate. Perhaps it's emotional healing that you need. It's emotional healing that you're in desperate need of. That there's a relationship in your life that is broken. It could be with your child. It could be with your parents. If you're a teenager, maybe it's your parents. And you're like, I'm just sick and tired of the screaming and the yelling and the fighting. And I feel so broken emotionally. You feel like... You can't do anything right. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with your husband or your wife or your significant other. And there's just nothing but fighting all the time. Or or they put you down or they make fun of you or they, they tear you apart verbally or they abuse you physically or they abuse you emotionally. And you feel so broken emotionally. And you're desperate You're desperate for healing. You're desperate for God to heal those broken places in your heart. You're just desperate for it. Have you ever felt desperate? Desperation is not a fragrance by Calvin Klein. Desperation is is having an urgent need. An urgent need. I think at times in our lives we all feel desperate. We all feel that urgent need for healing. We feel that urgent need for wholeness. That urgent need to have those broken places, that brokenness healed. We feel that, do we not? We're not the only ones. It's not the first time it's ever happened that someone's been desperate. It's not the first time that someone's prayed in desperation. It's not the first time that somebody's gone to God and said, I'm desperate, I beg you, help me. It's not the first time. In fact, there's a time that we're going to look at today. Our Bible story today is from the book of John, chapter 4. And we're going to talk about a story of a desperate father. Now, Jesus had gone to Jerusalem after the wedding in Cana. Last week, we talked about Jesus' first miracle at the wedding in Cana where he turned water into wine. He literally, uh, if, you, if you attended our, our Grave Robber Bible study this week and saw the video, uh, it's really kind of an awesome concept to think that he changed the molecular structure of water into wine. It, un, it, the science behind it is mind-boggling. And if you haven't started attending the Grave Robber series, I, I'd highly encourage you, come this week. After this week, you're probably going to get really lost. Uh, but if you can come this week, come check it out. It's, a, it's excellent discussion and excellent study. Really encourage you to check it out. But Jesus changes the molecular structure of water into wine at the the wedding in Cana of Galilee. And then he goes to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And he heads to to the Passover feast in Jerusalem. And he goes to the temple. And there he sees something that really angers him. There are money changers and... uh, people selling sacrifices. Now, this is something they always did. This is not something that was new. 
What was frustrating to Jesus, what angered him so much, was that those who were selling the animals for... If you came from a long way away, okay? Let's say you came from hundreds of miles away to come to Jerusalem for Passover, and you couldn't corral your animals for your sacrifices to get to Jerusalem uh, without losing your mind. And so it was a common practice that they would sell sacrifices in the temple, in the outer courts of the temple, for you to sacrifice for your sins, so this is something that happened all the time. So Jesus wasn't upset that they were selling them. He was upset because they were overcharging people. They were, they were messing over people. And so Jesus is angry at those who are overcharging for the... I mean, you're stuck. You've you got to give a sacrifice. You've got to make a sacrifice. And you're at the mercy of those who are selling the sacrifices. And law of supply and demand drives the market. You're going to pay through the nose for this, for this pigeon, this dove, this cow, whatever your sacrifice is. And then there are those who are exchanging money, currency exchange, if you will. If you came from a long, long way away and you didn't have the, the currency of the temple, you'd have to exchange your currency out. And they were charging exorbitant fees to, to exchange your currency. This angers Jesus. People are coming to worship and you're messing them over. And so he takes three cords and he fashions them to, into a whip and he drives the money changers out of the temple. This is my interpretation of Jesus driving out money changers, by the way. If, if we're ever playing charades and you need Jesus driving people out, just do this. That's what that is. So Jesus drives the money changers out of the temple. And uh, he uh, spends the, the time in, in Jerusalem for the Passover. And in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, comes to him at night and begins to ask him some questions. And he says, you're Israel's teacher. Why? You don't know these things? Jesus says to him, truly I tell you, uh, you must be born again or you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is confused. He says, what do you mean by being born again? Jesus says, I, I tell you, you must be born of water and the spirit in order to be born again. And I believe that Jesus is pointing to baptism at this time because this story is couched in baptism. There's baptism before, there's baptism after. And so Jesus tells him, you must be born of water and the Spirit. And when we are baptized in water, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are given the Holy Spirit. And if we will put our faith and trust in Christ, the, the Savior of our souls, the one who died for our sins, then our sins will be washed away. We are forgiven and we are set free. That's the first step of spiritual healing. So Jesus talks to Nicodemus, and then he begins to make his way. He leaves Jerusalem and starts to make his way back to Galilee uh, by, by way of Judea and Samaria. And as he's going through Samaria, he meets a Samaritan woman at a well, and he begins to talk to her. And uh, back to the story of, of uh, Nicodemus, you remember that this, this verse. This is right in there, that story. Before he leaves Jerusalem, he gives this verse, it's up on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then Jesus goes to a well and he meets a Samaritan woman at the well and he tells her about living water. And everywhere he goes, people are putting their faith in him. Everywhere he goes, people are trusting in him and they're believing in him that he is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He is the son of God. Everywhere he goes, people are putting their faith and trust in him. Some are putting their faith and trust in him for the wrong reasons. It's because of the miracles he was doing. Look at this next verse, John 2, 23. 
says, Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the miraculous signs he was doing and believed in his name. That people were believing in him just because he was doing these miraculous signs. But he wasn't here for a sideshow. He wasn't a sideshow act. He wasn't doing a magic. He wasn't doing magic tricks for people. He really was the Son of God. Really is the Son of God. And so that's why we believe in him. That's why we put our faith in him. Because he is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He is our Savior. He died for our sins. So Jesus, after leaving Judea and Samaria, heads back to Cana in Galilee. And that brings us to our story today uh, in John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54. So if you got your Bible, turn to John 4, and we're going to look at verses 43 through 54. If you didn't bring a Bible today, uh, you can use the one in the pew in front of you. It's on uh, page 753. On page 753 in John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54. After the two days he left for Galilee, this is the two days he spent in Samaria. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they had also been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. Now, just so you know, Capernaum and Cana are not that close together. We'll get into that in just a minute. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. This is a royal official. We don't know if he was like a, a royal official in, in, uh, for the Jews or if he was a royal official of the Romans, but he's, he's high up. He's a VIP, a very important person. And he uh, had probably done everything within his power. Everything, he had exhausted every possible avenue to, to get his son healed. And yet his son is dying. His son is at death's door. So he goes to Jesus and he begs him to heal his son. Verse 48. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, you may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, The fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he, he and all his household believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed, having come from Judea to Galilee. Now, I told you that Capernaum and Cana are not that very close together, right? 20 miles, somewhere between 20 and 25 miles between Cana and Capernaum. This desperate father, this desperate father whose son was dying, walked 20 miles to find Jesus so that his son could be healed. See, desperate times call for desperate measures, right? I don't believe that. I believe desperate times call for deep faith. Desperate times call for deep faith. And that is what this man had. This royal official, this father, this desperate father had deep faith that if he went to Jesus, he knew that if he could just get Jesus to come to his house, that Jesus could heal his son. 
that he could bring him back, that, that he could heal him from, from this illness that was, that was going to kill him. He just knew, and he had this deep faith that Jesus could heal his son. What he didn't know is that Jesus is not limited. Jesus is not limited by time and space. No, Jesus could say the word, and 20 miles away at that moment, his son would be healed. And that is exactly what happened. We're talking, it's a day and a half journey. Because it says, when did, he, when did the fever leave him? It was yesterday at the seventh hour. Yesterday when this, feeling, this, this fever left him. Yesterday, he had walked a day and a half just to find Jesus. Because desperate times call for deep faith. And this man had a deep faith that Jesus could heal his son. And across the vast uh, continuum of time and space, Jesus did just that. He healed his son. So what about you? What about me? What about the healing we need in our lives? I talked about some areas earlier in our lives where we feel broken and where we feel like we need to be healed. And one of those areas is our spiritual lives. We feel like we need spiritual healing that our, our lives, our spiritual lives are falling apart and we need that kind of healing that only God can give through His Son, Jesus Christ. Maybe you feel like God doesn't love you. Or maybe you feel unworthy of His love. Maybe you feel unworthy of His forgiveness. Maybe you feel unworthy of His acceptance. Maybe you, you feel like, I've done too much. I've been too far gone. I, I've been away too long. I don't deserve what he has for me. I don't deserve the healing that he can give me spiritually. It's not true. Jesus can heal your soul. And it starts by taking a walk. That father, that desperate father walked 20 miles. Will you walk up here? Or maybe, maybe you need physical healing. Maybe your body is broken, like I talked about earlier. Maybe you've got aches and pains and you just hurt all the time. Maybe you just, you don't know where to turn. The doctors are out of options. There is no medicine that can touch what you've got. There, and you need healing. You need physical healing. Are you willing to take a walk? The desperate father walked 20 miles. Are you willing to walk up here? Maybe you need emotional healing. Maybe there's a broken relationship in your life between you and your, and your spouse between you and your significant other, between you and your children, between you and your parents. Maybe there is brokenness there that you need healing in your emotional life. You need healing emotionally today. The desperate father walked 20 miles for healing. Would you walk up here? Perhaps it's financial. Maybe it's a financial thing. and You're feeling financially broken or at least financially broke. That, you know, you've lost your job or you're on the verge of losing your job or you're, you're going to get laid off or your company's on strike. You know, where is your healing needed? The desperate father walked 20 miles for healing. Would you walk up here? The reason I ask you that, the reason I ask is, is how desperate are you this morning for healing? Whether it be spiritual healing or emotional healing or physical healing or financial healing or whatever your healing is that you need. Are you willing to take a walk? 
up here on the table, I've got several different cards. I've got four sets of cards and pens, and, and I want to invite you to, to write down your desperate need of healing. We're going to play a song called, Lord, I Need You. We sing it on Sunday mornings. And we're going to play this song, and I want you to come forward. If, if you're desperate for healing in your life, whether it's emotional or physical or spiritual or financial, whatever your desperate need of healing is, I want you to come up and I want you to write it down. If it's a broken relationship, if it is a, a, a broken soul, a broken heart, whatever, a, a broken body, a broken mind, whatever your healing is that you need, I want you to come up and I want you to write it down. And I want you to put it in the box. And I'm going to take the, the prayer requests that are, are listed here today, the prayer requests that are turned in on these cards today. I'm going to type them up. I'm going to send them to the elders. No one else is going to see them. But I'm going to ask the elders to pray over them. I'm going to pray over them this week. Now, I can't promise you. I can't promise you that God is going to, to, is going to heal you physically here and now. I can't promise you that God's going to heal your relationship this week. I can't promise you that he's going to heal your soul today. But I can tell you this, there will be healing. There will be healing. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. But for right now, are you willing to take a walk? Will you take a walk today? We all get desperate. We get desperate for healing because we hurt. There is a God who hears our desperate cries. And he will do something about them. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, the Apostle John wrote, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look! God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And when he says everything, he means everything. Every hurt, every pain, every heartache, God will make new. He will take it away. He will wipe away every tear. He will cleanse every stain. He will purify everyone. He will be our God and we will be his people. We will see him face to face. And every hurt and heartache will be done away with. Every broken body will be healed. I can't promise you that whatever you wrote down on your card, I can't promise you that this will be healed today. I can't promise you that it will be healed this week. I can't promise you that it will be healed in five years. But I can promise you this. It will be healed. For God is a God who makes everything new. And when we are desperate, just remember this. Desperate times call for deep faith. Desperate times call for deep faith. Hold on to faith, my friends. Hold on to your faith, even when you're desperate. For God hears your cries, and he loves you, and he cares for you, and he wants to heal you.